This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. I was just reciting poetry, Hans, and I didn't record it. With dramatic flair, I was giving it up. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. On this episode of Awesome Etiquette, we tackle your questions on the unfriendly world of Facebook, serving only a champagne toast at a wedding, is it appropriate to have a housewarming registry, whether or not to wear a tuxedo to a southern wedding, and once you give holiday gifts, do you have to give them again the following year? Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio and is proud to be a part of the Infinite Guest Network from American Public Media. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning from the Emily Post Institute. Oh my goodness. I am so, can I say it? Is it rude to say it? I'm so full. (laughs) Not rude at all. Thanksgiving was amazing, but oh my gosh, I can't believe that we're already at the 30th of November and it's, we're this, um, like what, what happened? Where did this year go? We're in the throes of holiday season. Already putting a dent in the leftovers. Oh my gosh. The leftovers are like gone. Which means that I mean, November's pretty much passed. No, November is gone. It's the, tomorrow's December 1st. Don't blink. You just might miss it. But yeah, I mean, November was so packed. You were you were traveling with business etiquette seminars and <sighs> spokesperson campaign, Ford campaign. And I'm about to leave tomorrow for flu campaign. We've had tons of work on the awesome holiday etiquette show. Which we are so excited about. It was amazing. So much fun to produce that and talk with some of the wonderful guests that we have on the show. To get to do an expanded sort of post-family version of our weekly podcast. Love it. Well, so much fun. Especially post-family because we actually brought in extra post-family members to talk and share about some of the holiday experiences we had. My have. mother, your mother. My dad, our Aunt Peggy. It was a really fun time. It was nice. And but it was a, a lot of work. <laughs> it was a lot of work. It was, frankly, more work than I expected. That producing of a sort of special show. You get into a groove doing this every week. Right? And it, in some ways, this feels like home base. This feels so comfortable for oh, Lizzie yeah. and I now that in some ways it's like returning home to come back to the mic to do a regular podcast. But doing I want to get show, your mom on yeah, for a oh, regular podcast, by the way. My she mom. would be excellent. She is just a wealth of knowledge, an encyclopedia of etiquette, mm-hmm. and it's all due to her, you know, her mother raised her so well, focused so much on manners, that whole side of the family. I mean, post side of the family is the manner side of the family, but the coward side of the family actually really knows details. It's a resource we got a little look at, and I, I definitely want to keep prying that door open. Absolutely. <laughs> I also want to give you credit because I know that as I come and go from the office, there is a, a media request form on our website. And at the holiday season, all of our listeners should be aware that that particular job of responding to media, we just get a spike. There, there is a level of activity that is like six a day. reached and sustained. <laughs> 
sustained at this time of year that is that is unusual, that is not true 12 months of the year at the Institute. But from holiday house guests to holiday tipping to once a year family etiquette stories, the demands from media at the Emily Post Institute at this time of year in particular really go up. And Lizzie Post has been manning that <laughs> desk. And I, I can't imagine Thank you. <laughs> remembering where to start when someone asks you about some holiday tipping guidelines. <laughs> okay, where do I begin at the beginning again? Well, and you get a lot of the requests coming in with deadline, ASAP, deadline now. And you're just like, ah, I have a schedule. And, and keeping that smile on your face exactly. and, and, and the goodwill towards all that is so important for, for these, these interviews it's in particular. True. They are really fun, just like the show. I mean, I look at interviews and I look at, at our show that we produce as the really fun parts of the job. So it is definitely a joy to get to do them. But you know what else is a big, big joy? Answering listener questions. Shall so we get to some questions? Sit back and get to some questions. <laughs> You're right. But there's so much to learn how to do. Sure, there's a lot to learn, but it's worth it. And learning is easy. One way is by watching others. On every episode of Awesome Etiquette, we take your questions on how to behave. And our first question is about the unfriendly world of Facebook. And Dan, I am totally tossing this one to you because I do not know what to do. (laughs) Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I've just recently found your podcast and enjoy it each week. I had an issue come up recently that I thought would be a good discussion for your show. Last week, I uploaded several months worth of photos from my digital camera and wanted to share some of them on Facebook. I went to tag my father-in-law's wife in a photo of him because he is not on Facebook and realized that she had not only unfriended me, but had blocked me as well. I only know this because she has not done this with my husband, so I know she is still using social media. This is not the first time I've found myself unfriended on Facebook. Although I'm a little sad that this happened and have had similar feelings in the past, I don't know how to handle it. Do I reach out to her and ask why she chose not to stay in touch? Or do I let it be? They live in South Dakota and we live on the East Coast, so we do not see each other often. I am more confused about how to handle this since she is a family member. I've never questioned an acquaintance unfriending me, but a family member seems a lot more personal. Thank you for your time. I'm looking forward to your response. Sad and confused. Oh, sad and confused. I'm sorry about the situation that you find yourself in, but I'm really glad you decided to share it with us. I also think this is a really interesting topic for discussion and consideration. Well, because we always get the question, can you unfriend someone? Is it okay? But here's the other side of it. When you're unfriended, what do you do? Well, and the stock answer is you take it easy. You relax. You take a deep breath and say to yourself, this is social media. Participation is not obligatory that anybody might unfriend you for any number of reasons, and many of them might not be personal, have nothing to do with you or your behavior online or off. So that's the first place that I think it's really good to remind yourself that, you know, sometimes people decide to just cull their social media accounts. They're going to reduce the amount of social media spam that's coming into them if they just don't care so much about the volume of people or they start to feel overwhelmed or like they spend too much time on it. They need to cut themselves off. You just never know. So particularly for a casual acquaintance, someone you don't see so often, not taking it personally is always the first and best advice. But this is a family member. This is family member and relatively close family too. So I can understand 
having some questions really start to pop up in your mind. And I definitely think there's always room for that self-assessment. You can always ask yourself, is there anything I've done on social media that might have bothered this person or offended them? You mentioned loading several months' worth of pictures. Are you someone who regularly posts? Are you someone who posts something every day? Are you a person who posts a couple things every day? Sometimes even just that volume of posting is enough that you might start to weight somebody's homepage in a way that they would block you just because they want to keep the emphasis of what they're seeing every day on a smaller, tighter circle. Think about any interactions you may have had offline that could explain it. Would you talk to your husband and see if he could find out what was going on? Sometimes family word of mouth matters. If you're worried, if you say to yourself, you know, there was that thing I did and I wonder if she's offended. If this is an indication that something that you knew was out there and maybe just a a nagging concern that's maybe now escalated to a full-blown situation within the family where people are being unfriended, maybe it's, it's worth addressing. It might be nothing like that. You might say to yourself, you know, I don't have a lot of interactions with this person. I don't think I've had an occasion to give offense. And in that case, maybe the subtler ask, maybe the ask through family is an important step to take. Maybe the person who does know um, this person the best is the appropriate person to make the ask. So you find that person and have them do it. And maybe even tell them, you know, this isn't a high stakes ask. I just want to be sure that I haven't done anything wrong or offered offense. She's probably just clearing out her social media friends list. And I fully understand that, but I wanted to be sure. Because we're family and it matters to me. (laughs) So... Big picture, social media is a little picture concern, so I wouldn't worry too, too much about it. But if you do think that there's a a clue here to a bigger relationship issue, I think it's worth investigating. Good luck. I wish you the best. Take care. Awesome etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, Mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? (laughs) StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. (laughs) After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. StoryWorth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S. 
to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. Our next question is about an almost dry wedding. Greetings, Lizzie and Dan. First of all, I adore your show. I've been a listener since the beginning, thanks to your appearance on the Dinner Party Download. Yay! Thank you, longtime listener. Quick question, I hope. My fiancé and I are planning a very informal picnic-like wedding at a beautiful local state park in June. Neither of us drink, so we've been wondering how to go about the alcohol part of the wedding. We definitely want to supply enough champagne for toasts. It's a small wedding of less than 50 people. But when it comes to other alcoholic beverages like beer or wine, should we be expected to supply those? Is it impolite for a wedding to be BYOB? Thank you so much for your answer and your fantastic show, Nina. Nina, this is a great question. First off, it's actually totally fine to have a completely dry wedding. You are not obligated to serve alcohol to your guests ever. That being said, I love the fact that you're doing a champagne toast. I think that that's really, really nice. You are not obligated to supply any alcohol beyond the champagne toast since that's what you've chosen to do. Some people do appreciate you letting them know that, that alcohol won't be served. But it it also doesn't have to be a BYOB thing. And I would caution you against turning it into BYOB since you aren't doing a potluck wedding where guests are contributing and everyone is bringing something to the meal. You can certainly do something like just serve a white and a red wine or do a beer or a beer and a wine or just one signature cocktail. Any of those are great options. We do think, though, that it's best not to go the BYOB route for the type of setup that you have for your wedding. But um, congratulations on your wedding. We hope that it's a fabulous affair. I love the fact that you're doing a picnic wedding. I think that sounds so cool. And I actually think that just your champagne toast is going to actually fit the, the venue and the style of your wedding really well. So if you feel like it, post some pictures for us on Facebook or send them to our Twitter. We would love to see and be able to share. Best of luck on your big day. We'll tackle your questions on when to begin eating and housewarming registries after this short break from our sponsors. Our next question is about when to begin eating. Hi, Dan and Lizzie. My family was recently invited to dinner at another family's house. We were called to the table as the wife was still going in and out of the kitchen doing last-minute preparations. I was always taught to wait until everyone was seated before eating. However, the husband of the family started eating before his wife sat down, and everyone else did as well. I was unsure of how to react. On the one hand, I wanted to continue waiting for everyone, but on the other, I didn't want my not eating to be questioned and thus call attention to the husband's poor behavior. At the time, I decided to follow the lead of the head of the table, but I felt very awkward doing so. Was this the right decision? Is there a way to wait for everyone to join us without calling attention to those not waiting? Or perhaps another excuse to give if someone does notice me waiting. The rest of the evening, we had a great time, and they were awesome hosts, but that one moment has stuck with me. Thanks for all the great advice you always give. I love the podcast and how friendly and kind you are as hosts. Jen. Hi, Jen. I think that I'm going to start with the very short answer to your question, which is that it's fine to wait until everyone is seated to start eating yourself, or it's fine to wait until everyone's been served to start eating yourself. I also think that you were wise not to make a big deal out of it. There's definitely a rule of etiquette that says follow your host's lead, watch your host for cues, and the manners that you're going to observe in any situation are going to vary depending on what region of the country you're in, which home you're in. 
this is definitely a question that in the in the post family, I sometimes surprise people <laughs> by saying that oftentimes buffet service, particularly big holiday meals where we're not all necessarily sitting around the same big table together. Maybe there's right. multiple tables that our our general guideline is once three people have been served and are sitting together, people go ahead and start. My my uncle Alan is particularly famous for for the quick start on the meal. So it's really going to vary from place to place and and definitely hold your own internal standards if you want to wait till your hostess has finished serving and has sat down to join you before you really dive in. I think that's entirely appropriate as well. If you need something to say if someone calls attention to it, I think one of the easiest go-tos because I understand what you're saying you don't want to say, oh, I'm waiting for our hostess, and then the husband looks like a bad host. I think that saying something like, I'm just taking a minute, you know, before I eat, is an easy way to just, you know, calm. A lot of people do things like um, they smell their food, they look at their food, they kind of absorb or are grateful for the fact that their food is sitting say in front of them. Grace. Saying a personal grace, something like that. The less that you make it something that other people are not doing, the better you can you can uh, kind of come across as as well not making a comment on other people's lack of manners because that isn't what you're trying to do you're just waiting for the hostess because it's what makes you comfortable so you can always take a sip of you know whatever beverage you have slowly put your napkin in your <laughs> mat- lap you know do what you need to do to take the time and again if somebody says anything you just say oh i'm just taking a moment before i eat And that's it. We hope that the next time you dine with this family, you're not left with that one little question nagging afterwards. Our next question is about a housewarming registry. Greetings, Dan and Lizzie. I'm such a fan of your podcast and often think, what would Dan and Lizzie do in difficult or awkward social situations? Here is the latest question I've been debating. Is it acceptable to create a housewarming registry? My husband and I have been married for a few years, and instead of wedding registry gifts, our friends and family contributed items and time for our reception, like helping with crafts, mixing drinks, and renting glassware and furniture, or buying alcohol and food. I say this not to complain. Trust me, we were so thankful for all of the help. But to give the information that our friends and family didn't just go through the gift-buying process for us. We're mostly having a housewarming for our family to come over, And they've already been asking us what we need or want for the house, and it's getting harder and harder to avoid their questions with, oh, nothing, we're set. We've been working really hard to declutter and only bring in items that we truly want in our home. I know if they bring a gift, they choose on their own. It will wind up in a donation box, and I feel so guilty every time this happens. Holidays, birthdays, etc., There are a few items that we've seen that we'd love in our home. So should we create that registry? Is it inappropriate to include one on our invitations? Please help this clueless homeowner. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch, find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Oh, I think, you know, your heart is definitely coming from the right place. But I do just want to say kind of blanket statement that you don't do registries for housewarming parties. Housewarming parties are are actually truly about what you are talking about in this question, which is to warm the house with family and friends. Weddings were often a time where you stalked someone's house so that newlyweds were were ready to go and had everything. Baby showers. (laughs) Exactly. But housewarmings are actually really just about making sure that your family and friends have visited your new home or your new apartment to literally warm it with their company so that it doesn't feel like such a strange or new place to you. If you don't want gifts, I think that it's perfectly okay for you to be saying, oh, no, just come over. We really just want to feel like our home, you know, has had our friends and family in it. And that's why we're throwing this party For those few items that you really would like, those are the kinds of things where if a particular aunt or a a set of parents or grandparents or your sister is insisting upon bringing you something, those are the people that I would say, oh, you know, that's so incredibly generous of you. You know, there was there there were a couple of items at, you know, this store, that store and. And those would be things that that maybe would be good gifts for us. And those are things that you could suggest to those types of people. But to friends, I I would never include registry in an invitation, especially a housewarming invitation where registries aren't as appropriate. It changes the nature of the invite. It takes the invitation from saying, I want to welcome you to my home. I want you to come and celebrate our new place with us, too. I want you to come and I'd like you to bring me this. And that is so clearly not what your intention is. You've stated it very clearly in your in your question. So I don't want you to send an invitation that winds up making that kind of a statement. I really hope that that helps. I hope that you wind up with only a couple of key items from very close family members that really fit the house. And I hope everybody else just brings you a warm plate of chocolate chip cookies. (laughs) Best of luck and enjoy your new space. Congratulations. Our next question is short and fast. Is a tux or suit more appropriate for a 530 wedding in the South? We need a little bit more information. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I'm wondering if the invitation said anything. The rule of etiquette that I think is maybe being referenced here, just because there's a time signature on this question, is that the sort of traditional thinking was after six, you would wear a tuxedo. So tuxedos were appropriate evening attire, particularly for a more formal event. So it became an option after six. Today, people wear tuxes all the time for all kinds of weddings if there's a formal standard. And I'm going to put my hand in the air and say I was wearing a tux at my afternoon wedding. And a little later in the summer was attending another wedding that was a, a Gatsby in the Woods theme. And the idea was to come to the nines, in your formal attire. It was also an afternoon wedding that turned into evening dinner and dancing. But guess what? There I was wearing a tux before 6 o'clock. So 
even though the, traditionally you wouldn't wear a tux till the evening, today you can really wear it anytime you want to dial it up to that next level of formality. So I would be asking myself that question more than any other. Is this a black tie affair? Is it a formal occasion? Is it indicated on the actual invitation? Exactly. And, 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 and if not, if you've received an engraved invitation that you think is implying a high level of formality but you can't tell exactly, you can always call and ask. I say seize that opportunity if you get the chance. <laughs> um, but you're right that as a traditional thinking that says for a 530 wedding, you'd be better off in a suit if it is formal than in a tux if you want to observe very traditional rules for dress and attire. I hope that helps. I hope you have a great wedding and you enjoy yourself. Have a good time. The next question is about gifts forever. Hey there. <laughs> was listening to your most recent episode where you discussed what to get when you don't know what to get, which miraculously reminded me of something I've been mulling for the past couple of days. I say miraculous because my mind was still exhausted even after my morning run and was also thinking about several other things. <laughs> a year and a half ago, July 2014, I moved halfway across the country and lived with relatives who were gracious enough to let me live rent-free for the year I spent with them. Naturally, I gave the whole family individual Christmas gifts even though I flew back home for Christmas Day. I moved away from those relatives six months ago, and I'm wondering, do I continue the tradition this year and get them all individual gifts? Traditionally, my immediate family has always given one gift for each member, i.e., my mom, dad, sister, and myself would all say that a sweater to my cousin was a gift from the whole family. If I continue to give gifts from only me to each relative in addition to our family gifts, am I stuck in this tradition for life? Thank you for the continued etiquette help in your podcast. Now please stop predicting my life. Love you guys. Be awesome. Sincerely, Texas forever. Please stop predicting my life. I wonder if this I'm is... I'm now recognizing Are you recognizing Texas our forever. Twitter friend? Uh-huh. That's true. Yeah, we have this fabulous Twitter follower listener, you, who... It was really funny because we kept... Like, everything we would talk about in the show was then something he would deal with. So he started saying things like, do you guys want to talk about job promotions and getting the girl you like to go on a date with you? And then we had kind of, kind of a strange conversation about in lieu gifts and oh my goodness sure enough he then found a reason to send an in lieu gift to a friend who was going through a difficult time so it was I actually really love seeing uh, Texas Forever show up in our email with a question I have great relief for you Texas Forever you do not have to keep sending these gifts every single year it truly is your choice and it's about your budget and what you're comfortable with and what you can do you might consider sending something that's consumable to the whole family um, that's something I might do year after year for I someone that, that I had idea. lived with. Yeah, right? Like, couldn't like you that. see doing really that? Nice. Um, so I think that would be a really great way to go. It takes a little bit of the pressure off, but it still recognizes the special connection that you have with that family. I love that your heart is in the right place. I'm very glad you got to spend a wonderful year with your family. And let's see, next we will talk about winning the lottery. We will talk about um, yes. marrying Big the promotions. most beautiful, Big. kind, wonderful <laughs> spouse you could ever think of and um, living on your dream property. How's that? (laughs) Best of luck, Texas, forever, and we can't wait to talk to you soon again on Twitter. Well, now, wasn't that better? Look at the effect of a little politeness. 
Thanks to everyone for sending in your questions. And remember, we love updates. If we answered your question on the show or if you have a comment about one of our questions, feel free to send it in. You can also submit your question to emilypost.com. Leave a message for us on our answering machine at 802-866-0860 or send it in via Facebook or Twitter. Just use the hashtag AwesomeEtiquette so we know that you want it on the show. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Our Postscript segment today deals with an age-old question. And in fact, I have been talking about this with my friends and my roommate as she and I are looking to move back into my house that's being remodeled soon. Um, and that is shoes on or off and who has the right to ask or what should you as a guest do? I love this discussion because it's never ending. In to the, the ramparts. Win- in the winter months, it is it is even more of an issue. A lot of people like to keep their homes really clean. They're worried about germs, dust, debris, dirt, mud coming in to their home that they spend time taking care of. At the same time, it's always been considered fairly rude to ask your guests to remove their shoes and to have them be in bare feet or stockings, or even when they're in a beautiful party dress or a nice suit, to ask them to put on slippers. So, So. what's the answer? (laughs) I think we need to first talk about how much can a host ask of their guest. It is certainly your home, and you have every right to expect that your home be treated respectfully. If I noticed someone with mud up to their, you know, I'm picturing if the farmer next door at my parents' house decided to stop by after he'd been walking through the cow pasture, and there's certainly some cow patties on his boots, mm-hmm. we shall say. You know, yeah, I'm. if he was just starting to walk right into the house, I might say, oh, Jim, I just, you know, just did the floors. Is, uh, you know, do you mind just hanging out here in the mudroom or something for a moment? Or could I grab you a pair of slippers or, you know, that sort of a thing. There, there are those moments where there's enough of a mess that's about to come into your world. But I'm even noticing you struggling there. Really hard, really, really hard for me. Just so you know, I'm a shoes on gal. But uh, I do think that it's really important to recognize that asking your guests to do something like remove their shoes is actually kind of a big ask. Potentially a large imposition. Flip side. 
Guests coming in need to recognize that they are bringing dirt and debris and germs into someone's home. Therefore, I think it is always nice, especially if you see a pile of boots and shoes right by the door, to say, hey, do you want me to take my shoes off? Or should I take my shoes off? Or maybe farmer visiting mom and dad's house from next door should say, oh, you know, Trisha, I'm so happy to come in for a cup of tea, but do you mind if I take my boots off because they're terribly muddy? I don't want to get it all over your floor. What we are talking about is being aware of the individual situation at hand, being aware that each person's home is a different environment with different expectations, being aware of what you might be quite literally dragging in with you, and being aware of people's comfort levels. I know and Dan knows that we've grown up with mud season, which happens twice a year in Vermont. And anytime you get invited to a nice party and you know that you're going to be trucking through snow or mud or just grime and simply getting out of your car and going to somebody's house, that it's probably a good idea to wear a pair of boots with your fancy outfit and then bring your indoor shoes that are going to match your outfit once you're inside. It seems like a pain in the neck, but boy, it certainly does solve all manner of difficulties. For for the record, Dan is over here laughing, nodding his head, holding his head in his hands and mm. picturing himself leaving my house in the morning in a suit yes. with my shoes tucked in their little felt bag and then my boots on and just feeling the, the ridiculousness as I trek from the house out to the car. You think it's in, hard in a suit? Try being in a party dress and like I exactly. <laughs> and and again, born of practicality because um, I'm not going to wear those shoes. I'm not going to wear them walking down the through the snow <laughs> just to get from the front door to the car. And I'm also not going to wear those boots into my client's office. So right. that means that as a, as a thinking ahead guest, <laughs> someone who it matters to present in a certain way, I'm going to make an effort to be equipped to do that and to do it in a way that's not asking a lot of my host either. Absolutely. Um, And then you are prepared if your host does ask you to remove your shoes. On the flip side, if you walk through the the front door of my home and you're in the mudroom, what you're going to see is slippers that are available for guests. Um, And in my house, it's often because I would be comfortable with a guest wearing shoes. But if someone does come through the front door and they're in boots, they're in something that they want to take off, that they wouldn't feel comfortable wearing into the house, that I've got something there for them. I'm in a particular situation. The floor of my home is really cold. It's a cold floor. There's not a heated floor. There's not a basement that's heated underneath it. It gets cold. And Mm -hmm. just walking around my house in socks, you would get cold feet. (laughs) So anyway, to me, there's there's some thinking ahead that's really required on both sides, particularly in a place like Vermont where we're all dealing with the reality of uh, very cold, potentially wet and muddy outdoors. Absolutely. Last question up for debate. Mm-hmm. Signs that please say things like, shoes. please remove your shoes or stop, please take your shoes off and help yourself to some slippers. It's the origin of the word etiquette is <laughs> a little sign. <laughs> That's that true. G- give people the cues and the clues about what to do and what's expected. If the ask is a reasonable ask, I think it's not an unreasonable thing. If the ask is on that borderline where I might not necessarily want to do the thing that the sign is asking me to do, I might find it too cute by half. 
Um, <laughs> too cute by half. Explain that one. Um, a, a little bit much. A little bit much. Too cute by half. I like that phrase. You think that's funny? I don't think that's quite that so funny. funny. You're asking me to take off my shoes, and and I'm not prepared to do that. My feet are really going to smell, and I'm going to be uncomfortable being here in the house with you with my smelly feet. Absolutely. Well, there you have it. Some thoughts on the great debate, shoes on or off. Who has the right? What should you do? We hope that that at least helps give you a little bit of a heads up into the muddy winter season that we are all approaching. And hopefully your floors will be clean and your guests will be happy and all will be right with the world. And if you have a particular solution to this problem, please send it our way because we've been looking for the perfect answer for this question for years. Today's Etiquette Salute is a particular treat. Autumn greetings to you both. It has been such a delight to indulge in your podcast as I bicycle commute. Etiquette on the go. I would like to send an etiquette salute to my dearest mother-in-law. I could go on endlessly about Tammy's incredible manners. For now, I have to brag on her culinary considerations. Hearing episode 57 reminded me of the meticulous care Tammy takes serving our family of six when we often share a meal. Tammy effortlessly added my sister-in-law and I into the fold of her husband and two sons almost a decade ago. Other family and friends frequently join the table. My mother-in-law handles each of our particular flavor preferences. Aaron doesn't like tomatoes, any medical dietary necessities. Sheena is lactose intolerant and an odd paleo-ish diet, Ruby and I, while keeping meals adventurous and exploring new tastes. No small feat of imagination. Every meal is delicious. I always leave her table feeling full and loved. Thank you, Tammy, for keeping us fed and happy. Love the show, KT Marie. And KT, I love your etiquette salute. I love leaving the table feeling full and loved. My father had a neighbor up the road who was a sort of father figure for him who used to sit back after a big meal and he'd rock back in his chair and say, do you feel well fed? (laughs) (laughs) And anyway, that's... Picturing that? (laughs) An an old Vermonter's way of saying, do you feel full and loved? And um, I certainly do appreciate it. And thank you for that etiquette salute. You hear that? She says you're not as rude as you used to be. What do you know? That's our show for today. Thank you so much for spending some of your week with us. And remember, there's no show without you. So send us your questions, your etiquette salutes, and your comments to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. If you like what you hear, don't be shy. Tweet it, Facebook post it, and of course, you can subscribe on iTunes and please leave us a review. On Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute. On Twitter, I'm at Daniel underscore Post. And I'm at Lizzie A. Post. Or you can visit our website, emilypost.com. Our theme music was composed and performed by Bob Wagner, and our show is produced by Hans Buto. Yeah.